We have been uh, journeying through a new series called Live the Way, and, um, and uh, it's just been a couple of weeks, not very long. Uh, we've been really looking at what it means to be a follower of Jesus, um, kind of what does it mean to be a disciple, what does it mean to be an apprentice, a student of the life of Jesus. Jesus set a way for us, and, and we're kind of breaking it down we got a lot in store to understand what it truly means to be a student of the life of Jesus. And so this term, we have been starting with what it means to be with Jesus, being with Christ. Okay, And then we're going to move on to what it means to become like Him. And what Jesus did, we want to do too. But it all starts with being with Him. Okay, The first goal is that of this apprenticeship of Jesus, is how do we abide in the vine? How do we make sure that we are connected to God? And, and is that something we value? Is that something we should value? Why? Why not? Um, and so I want to use Job, just something that I've been journeying through, reading through the book of Job, which is not always an easy book to read. Um, it's probably, uh, theologians argue that it's the first book ever written, um, it's not chronologically, well, in the, in the Bible, you don't find it first. But uh, Job 22, if you guys want to turn with me there, Job 22. And uh, I'll read first the, the scripture and then uh, we can dissect it. Job 22, verse 24. Job 22, verse 24 says this, If you lay gold in the dust and gold of Ophir among the stones of the torrent bed, then the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. Okay, quite out of nowhere, random verse. Context is important, okay? And we will talk about this verse more and more. But these are the words of a guy called uh, Eliphaz um, and uh, Eliphaz was uh, one of Job's three friends, okay? And what had happened to Job is in one night, uh, all his ten children had been killed. Uh, he had either lost his livestock to theft or to death as well, and his wife had deserted him and also turned her back against God. And uh, his three friends came and sat with him after he had lost everything. And there was literally seven days where they just sat with him in silence, because they didn't know what to do with this guy. And I mean, what do you say? What do you do to a guy that has just lost everything? Everything he's ever built, he's lost it. So seven days of silence. And then what starts happening is there's discourse between the three, the four of them. The friends telling uh, Job a couple of things, him responding to them, responding to God. And this here in Job 22 is Eliphaz. Uh, talking to Job, and he says, If you lay gold in the dust, the Almighty will be your gold. Then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. So this morning I want to pose two questions to you, and it's, it's based on this topic that we're trying to cover and just soak into our hearts for the whole term, which is being with Christ. What does it mean to truly be with God? And so the two questions that I want to ask this morning is, what is it like 
to delight in God. If uh, Eliphaz is saying, Job, you need to delight not in gold, but in God, what is that like? What, it is, what is it like to delight in God? And is this delight your highest duty? So what is it like to delight in God? And what is it that our highest calling, our highest duty? Maybe to put it slightly different, the first question, how do we enjoy God? Where do we find pleasure in God? And how can we be satisfied with being in God and with Him? So how can we be satisfied with being in Christ? Okay. So going back to Job, the, the kind of scripture that started this, uh, this thing about delighting in God for me this week, let's understand the context a little bit better. So that verse again, If you lay gold in the dust, the Almighty will be your gold, and then you will delight your, yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. So if God is your gold, okay, He will be your gladness. Jesus, Jesus also said in uh, Matthew 6.21, Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, so what your heart values most, that is what you treasure. And that is, uh, that controls your joy, your happiness in life. Um, and so we're not talking here about the enjoyment of God's gifts, okay, uh, but God himself. So we're, we're trying to break it down that, hey guys, it's not about what God gives us. It is about God Himself and finding joy in Him. And that is the great issue of Job in the beginning of Job. Satan comes to God and he says, well, listen, Job is a faithful servant because of what you give him. And we read that in Job 1 verses 9 to 11. Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all he has? On every side, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to the face. So Satan says, listen, Job serves you faithfully because you have blessed him abundantly. And then God, God responds by taking everything away from him. You know, like what, how will Job, 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 Job respond in times of hardship what you know everything is going well for him prosperity is happening and then in job 1 verse 20 to 21 after he's lost everything it says job arose he tore his robe shaved his head fell on the ground and worshiped he worshiped and he said naked i came from my mother's womb and naked i shall return the lord gave and the lord has taken away blessed be the name of the lord and if you've ever sung that song, man, this guy knows what he would be singing about. It's easy for us to sing songs and our minds are completely detached from what we're actually proclaiming. And uh, this morning, you know, I, I want us to really say, God, what does it mean to delight in your name? So after he's lost his children, he's lost his livestock, he's lost his wife, really, she deserted him. Um, Satan comes to God again, he says, uh, in, in Job 2, he says, Then Satan answered to the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So he's saying, well, you haven't touched his health. You haven't touched his well-being physically. See what he does when you do that. 
And again, he was wrong. You know, God was Job's gold. Okay, not the gifts that Job got from God, but it was God. It was his relationship with God that he valued. And, uh, and we see that, you know, in uh, the, the way that the psalmist writes in, in uh, Psalm 63, your steadfast life, love is better than life. You know, is that something we can truly proclaim? Your steadfast love, O Lord, is better than life itself. And uh, in Habakkuk, this is a beautiful verse. And just something, as I was reading this, I mean, we live in this reality that the prophet was writing about. It says, Though the fig tree, tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So when there is no food, yet I will exalt the God. No food, our God is still there. So Satan aimed to destroy, uh, but God aimed to exalt. And so uh, this morning, I want to look at that. If, if we lay gold, if we lay what we ought to value according to the world in the dust, and we lay that down in the dust and and let God Almighty be our gold, um, then let us see what it means to delight ourselves in Him. To, to lift up our face to God and say, God, it is not about all these things. It is about you truly and you only. So my first question, okay, going back to that. What is it like to delight in God? How do we enjoy God this morning? Where do we find pleasure in God? And how can we be satisfied with being in God and with Him? So my first, and the my, I think the most fundamental thing about delighting in God is that we delight in a person. Okay, we delight in a person. Someone real, someone that understands us. We delight in a person, okay? Not just the enjoyment of a thing or a pattern or like, methodology, ways of doing things, it's a person that we find delight in. And uh, something that I've often found interesting to think about is, you know, the whole world tries to answer the question of, you know, where did we come from and, you know, who created or what created us or this, you know. And uh, we believe that eternity is, is something that is real. You know, if we, we think of eternity as forward only but there's been eternity going back to you know and uh, we are created and uh, if it means that something created us there had to be something you know nothing doesn't create something that equation doesn't add up so you have to believe in something something had to create something nothing does not create something okay makes sense so we believe as Christians that that's something is a person. That something is a person called God. And He is personal. He is not abstract. And for us to do the light in God, the first step for us to realize is that He is a person. Okay. Uh, you, we don't have to argue that, obviously. And, and that person is joy. You know, we've, God is joy. And so just a couple of scriptures that talks about God as joy. It says in Philippians 4 verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. 
Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 32 verse 11, Be glad in the Lord. Psalm 16 verse 11, In your presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16 again, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Psalm 42, As a deer pants for a flowing stream, so pants my soul for you. O oh God, my soul thirsts for you, for the living God. That is personal. That is real. That is deep. That is joy. And that is someone. Romans 5, it says, We rejoice in God through Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. So we, we find our delight in a person, not in a gathering where we exclude the person. We come together, we live for the person. And if we miss the person, we miss the, everything. The God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, them together, that, that relationship we have with God is everything, everything, everything to our Christian walk. If we take that away, we don't have a Christian walk. That is everything. And so my first thing is we need to enjoy the person. My, my first thing. My second thing is we need to enjoy the Savior. Okay, we need to enjoy a Savior. That, th this is why Jesus came. Because He knew that God the Father, the joy that we need in our lives that can sustain us for now and for all eternity wants to have a relationship with you and with me. And there was a rift. And so Jesus came to bring that everlasting joy to us. That's what Peter writes. He says in 1 Peter 3 verse 8, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. That He might bring us to the light in God to have joy in God, to know the person of God. Not so that we can just do, do, pretend, act, come on Sunday. It's so that we can sit and we can be with God first and have a right standing with Him. So we need to enjoy the Savior. Jesus also pray, prayed this. He said, This is eternal life, that you may know the Father the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this is eternal life, that you, uh, that they know you, that they know you, and that's the Father that he's talking about, the only true God. And so Jesus came, not just to give us eternal life, not just to get us from hell to heaven, not just to give us salvation, so we wouldn't be in bondage and sin, he came so that we might know Him, the person, the only true God. And this morning, if you're sitting, you're saying, you know what? I don't know the person. I'm not sure. I think I, I, I know I have salvation, but I'm struggling. Relationship, man, that's something that we always hear, but it's foreign to me. I don't, I don't feel that. I can have a lack of Saturday watching rugby with the guys and there's relationship but you say there's the person of God 
that I need to walk with and grow with, and that is the very foundation of my walk, and I'm struggling with that, well, the reality is that is a big thing. If you're realizing that this morning, then that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, wake up. What are you going to do? You're just going to carry on? Or are you going to listen to what I'm saying? Are you going to try? Give, this, give me a chance. We also get to enjoy His gifts, which is amazing. We, when we delight in the person, when we delight in Jesus the Savior, that salvation He gives us, the relationship that that brings, there's just incredible gifts that flow, man. Um, consider some of these verses. They're not up there. I'll, I'll repeat them if you want to write them down. You know, when we read the Word, it reveals the person of God. It, it, it reveals His personality. It, it reveals His attributes. It reveals who He is. It says in 1 John 4 verse 9, 1 John 4 verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest among you, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So we know the person by the action of a person. So when we, when we see how Jesus lived, we see who the Father is. Okay? Romans 1 verse 18 to 20 talks about God's invisible attributes being displayed for everyone since the beginning of time. We see His power. We see His magnificence. You see His glory in creation. Romans 3, verse 24 to 26, it talks about God's justice and His righteousness, that He hates sin, that He is just to punish it. We, re we see who the person is by reading Scripture. We, we, are, we are, as we're talking now, we're, we're getting like a character study of this person we want to have a relationship with. You know, when I, when I want to find out more about a specific sports personality that I haven't seen and I see them play well, what do I do? I Google and I go and find out. And that's the same thing. Hey, this God, God, man, I want to know more. Dive into the Word. Know more of the person. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, for all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why through Him we utter our amen to God in His glory. So for all the promises of God find their yes in Him. We know the faithfulness of God in keeping His promises. And the last one, it just says, John 14 verse 9, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So we're getting to know this person. How do we delight in Him? Well, you know, we delight in His gifts. We, there's certain experiences, and, and maybe, maybe this is something that you've never thought of, but Scripture talks about it all the time. You know, there's human experiences, things that we experience, go through, that actually helps us to understand God more. So when you taste something sweet, okay, like honey, it reminds us of the sweetness of the friendship with God. We, our minds wouldn't be able to understand if God didn't create honey and create taste buds so that we can understand what sweet is. God created that so that we could understand a bit of His character. Okay, it talks about that in the Bible. The sweetness of, you know, it's, it's, sweet, it's more uh, sweeter than honey in our relationship with you, God. Okay, 
uh, we know something of his sustaining richness, okay, because we have eaten bread, okay, bread sustains us, and we understand what that feeling is, it's because we have eaten bread, we know something of the refreshment of his fellowship, being with God, because we have drunk water when we are thirsty, that experience you get when you are thirsty, and you just gulp down water, or whatever it is, that's what God longs us to feel with Him in fellowship with Him. God, I'm thirsty. I need you. I need you. This morning we were rushing and uh, there was oil in the storeroom and from youth. Yes, it's us. It's our fault. And uh, I, I ran in there with like dress shoes and I literally just slipped and like fell on the floor and got on my leather shoes and I was like, oh my word, God. And then we got here and there was like, the Zesa ran out because that's happening and I had to really go home, come back and I was rushing, rushing, rushing and I'm like, God, I just want to be in a place of just, you know, calm, collected to present the word faithfully this morning. And uh, as we stepped on the stage and we're just worshiping together as a congregation, there was just a refreshment that came to my soul that I, I now, I was like, man, I was thirsty for that. Right now I'm like, yeah, I'm refreshed. Now it's uh, spilling over. And that's what we need. That's, that water reminds us of what, how, what it is to be with God. We know something of the warmth of, of, of His affection because we remember being held securely by our mothers. You're, God, you're more faithful than a mother. And we know something of His worth because we have coveted gold. We have coveted things. Even that sinful emotion that is in us, that's God helping us see. That's, that feeling, that idol that you in your life, that is supposed to be directed to me. And, and God uses these experiences to help us understand Him. And God also uses people um, to, you know, to help us understand, again, just His personality. I, I want you guys to just think of a couple of different people right now, just as I, as I read through this. I want you to think of the kindest person you know. This doesn't have to be just one person. Just combine them. So the kindest person you know. The most loving person you know. The weirdest or the wisest person. <laughs> the most patient person. The most intelligent person. The strongest. The most tender-hearted. The happiest. The most peaceful. The most optimistic person. The meekest person. The person with the best sense of humor, the most courageous, the most generous person. Think about what it is like to enjoy these people when their personalities are at their best. Then I want you to combine all those good traits of all those people into one person. And then increase those traits to perfection in quality and to infinite beauty in how they are proportioned and exercised. And then let all the enjoyment of those persons, for all those personalities, raised to that perfection and that beauty, give you some hint of what it is like to enjoy God fully. And then pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal that to you in God. And God, God is perfect. He is everything. You know, that guy, you, you love being with that friend, that parent, that sibling that just brings out something in you when you sit and enjoy them 
They don't have to even do anything specific. God, that's God. And when we, when we see God's personality in His Word, He's perfect. And He wants to, us to enjoy that. He, he's saying, come and enjoy me. That's what He's saying. So that's the answer to my first question, just maybe briefly. <laughs> um, what is it like to enjoy, to delight in God? So the second question is, is this enjoyment, this pleasure, this satisfaction, your, you and my, our ultimate obligation? Is it, is it something that we are called to? Is, is this delight something that you and I, man, it's, it's the biggest thing in our life? And so obviously my answer is yes. And I want to give you guys just three reasons why I believe that this delight is our highest duty. And uh, as, I, as I say that, I think it's important to note that Jesus says in uh, Matthew 11, He says that, you know, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And if you think about it, if Jesus is saying, as, if God is saying, come and enjoy me, come and find your delight in me, the creator of everything, the source of joy for everything, the answer to everything, everything you need today, tomorrow, and forever in your life. Hey, that is your greatest duty. I mean, that doesn't sound like duty to me. That is pleasure. God, you, you want me to partake of you so that I can have eternal joy? That is, that is a privilege for us to be able to call that our duty. And so just three things. Love God with all your heart. Okay, is it our highest duty? Well, in Matthew, um, we see this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the greatest and the first commandment. If we lay the gold in dust, and the Almighty is our gold, then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. If we love God with everything, and we give Him everything. And we lay everything else that is trivial, worldly, tempor temporary. And we lay it to dust. Then we will find our delight in God. When we say, God, I love you. But we, we love Him partially. We, we love Him some days. We, we never even spend time with Him. We're not laying to, to dust those things that we hold so dearly to our lives. What consumes your time is what you value what is what you treasure that is that is the thing so we need to love god firstly that's that's the greatest commandment it says in in john 14 if you love me you will keep my commandments so so often we talk and we become legalistic do 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 be 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 you have to look like this talk like this smell like this whatever it is that's not, that's not the answer. The answer is that if you love me, if you love me, gold will become dust in your life. If you love me, I will become your gold. And when you do that, you follow my commandments because I am your source of joy, not those things. And there is just freedom in that delighting in God. And when we do that, when we delight ourselves in God in, in the, the freedom of loving Him, or that, that uh, privilege of following Him, then the second thing happens, which is we love others because we love God. 
okay? It just happens. So we're, we're talking about being with Christ. Maybe this is already a fruit, okay, jumping like way ahead. But this is so often what we talk about. This is the greatest command. This is what we want to strive for. But already now we can see that we will never reach this part if we don't take a step back and we say, God, am I delighting myself in you? Do I find delight in you? And how do I find delight in you? So the second reason is that, guys, we, we need to love others because we love God. Genuine Christ-exalting love for people is the overflow of joy in God that meets the needs of others. So genuine love for others that exalts Christ is only found in the joy of God. Real, authentic love. We can pretend. That's not hard. We can show face. We can fake it. But if it's real, if it's going to exalt Christ, if it's going to change lives, if it's going to change the destiny of people, it has to come from here. If we're still holding on to the gold, we're, we're, going to, we're going to lose it. You can only pretend for so long. And I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 8. Um, and Paul is describing um, the... Ma- um, is it 2 Corinthians? I think it might actually be... Yeah, it's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8. And Paul is describing uh, the Macedonian church. Okay? Um, and uh, basically what he's done is he, he took up a piece, uh, an offering for for people in Jerusalem that are extremely poor, people that are struggling. And, and maybe just to put it in context for us, make it a parable, it would be like Kenny maybe. Kenny LaRue is a good friend of ours that, that goes and, and just has an apostolic ministry all over the world. Um, if Kenny came here and he said, you know what, guys, there are people in, let's say, I don't know, Australia, that are extremely poor and they're struggling. Because this is what Paul did. He came to the Macedonian church and said, there's people in Jerusalem that are extremely poor and I want to take up an offering for them. And if Kenny came here and he said, hey, there's people in Australia that are really struggling. Do you guys want to give to them? That would be the context of this verse. And so this is what we read in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1. We know... We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflown in a wealth of generosity on their part. So, in severe test of affliction, these Macedonians gave joyfully out of extreme poverty. They gave generously. And so what enabled them to do that? Was it prosperity? No. Was it abundance? No. Was it everything else just falling in the right place? No, it was this thing, the joy of God, the delighting in Him that enabled them to, despite the realities that we are facing, to give generously. And so often we want excuses, and Zimbabwe can just be the easiest excuse. It's Zimbabwe. Why? We don't live generously here. It's too hard. Everybody understands that. No, guys, we don't live generously because of the country we live in, the economic climate, the political situation. We live generously 
because of the delighting in God that we get and that joy that we receive freely through Jesus who died for us even though we didn't deserve it. That's why we give and we live generously. The last thing I just want to say is we do it all for the glory of God. All for the glory of God. Whatever, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. So why do we delight in God? Well, it's for His glory. Why do we take up this thing and say, God, actually it is my duty to delight in you, which I do joyfully, so that I can live with this calling to, to live generously and joyfully in others. God, I do it because I, I love doing it. Now, are we satisfied in God this morning? Are you satisfied in God alone? Is being with God the best thing that you can do? Now, I'm speaking to myself. That is when we truly bring God glory. When we can say, yes, God, you alone. John Piper, um, a really well-known uh, preacher, theologian, written author of lots of uh, books, uh, he has this kind of banner saying over his ministry, which is, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified when you and I are most satisfied in Him. That's when He gets glory. When you and I are satisfied in Him, when we can sit in His presence and say, this is enough for me. And so maybe just to quickly bring it home, wrap it up with a quick story. Um, a week ago, I mean, it was Valentine's Day like two days ago, so this might uh, hit home for a lot of uh, people, hopefully a lot of married people uh, in the room. But uh, a week ago, it was actually Cass's birthday, um, so that was awesome. And uh, we, it was Saturday a week ago, and uh, woke up and uh, made some pancakes, because, you know, and let me be honest, some pancakes, nice breakfast, um, and uh, we, I, it's really hard to find good presents right now in this country, so I've done research and ordered some stuff, but they weren't here yet and whatever, um, and got some fresh fruit because she loves fruit right now. That's what she's craving. And I uh, just kind of got everything together, and she was still sleeping, and she actually woke up just before I was ready, so I, like, closed the door on her and just said, go back in. And uh, then woke her up uh, with everything and uh, just you know, presented to, to her as a gift for her birthday. And, um, and imagine, I won't say how it went and everything, but imagine she says, wow, Yanku, that's amazing. Why did you go through such an expense? Um, why did you go through all this trouble? What if she asked me that question? And I said, you know what? It's my duty. Um, I read it in a good marriage uh, manual that I should do this. Um, how would she feel if I said that? Uh, well, I've done my duty. Uh, what's wrong with duty, you know? Uh, I'm pretty sure that would not have been a great response. So let's rewind a bit back, okay? Let's say I get there and I say, Happy birthday, Cassandra. And she says, Well, why did you go through such an expense? Why did you go through all this trouble. And then I say, I couldn't help myself. And I've got a plan for you today. 
So why don't you put down something nice? Because we're going to do something, some special things today. And nothing makes me happier than to spend the whole day with you. Do you think she would say, nothing makes you happier? <laughs> it's all about your happiness. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. Why? Because finding my happiness in her as a person honors her. And she can feel it. Spending an evening or a day with her because that is what a good husband is supposed to do dishonors her. But spending a day with her because she as a person is my joy, that honors her. Her worth is magnified because I am satisfied in her. We see that? And so it is with God. Enjoying God as an all-satisfying person is our greatest joy. Yes, you must, but it's not that kind of must. Okay? It is not optional. It is not on the peripheral. Okay? It is not secondary. It is the root of all Christian exalting love for people and for Christ exalting worship of God. It is our first and greatest duty. He is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. If you lay your gold in the dust, then the Almighty will be your gold. For then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. And this delight will be an infinitely beautiful, all-satisfying person. And it will be your first and highest duty.